0: witty thought-provoking and uplifting southern soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences tune in each thursday evening at 8 p.m eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic host who are as charming as they are talented and now ladies and gentlemen here's our host calvin up next, we have our first speaker, Miss Melanie. And what I would like to do is just kind of uh, introduce, well, I'll tell you guys a little bit about her. And then, you know, we're just going to have fun and have this conversation. But first of all, I'm just caught off guard because, Melanie, I did not realize all of the cool pop vinyls you have behind you. Do you mind just giving us a tour of what you have behind <laughs> you? Because I see I, I, I see some Hello Kitty. On. This I isn't see even some Pokemon. What you got behind? This, this
1: isn't even half of it. Um, there's there's no Pokemon behind me. Um, Ain't this that isn't Pikachu? even half. Yeah. Who's that? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. There's no, there's no, no. This isn't even half of it. Um, this is just my Disney, and um, this is just my Disney, and um, my. This is my Hamilton. So I have. I started collecting um, Funko Pops. Uh, In 2012, um, by accident, (laughs) I went to my first Comic-Con in 2012. Um, and that is how I got into cosplay. Um, actually, uh, this this my origin story, I guess. Um, I got into cosplay by accident because I had a friend who was like, hey, do you want to go to a Comic-Con? And I was like, I don't know what a Comic-Con is, but sure. Um, <laughs> and then I saw people in cosplay and I was like, oh, do we have to dress up? And she was like, you don't have to. And I was like, no, it looks like everyone's in costume. So I, I think we have to dress up. I'm a, um, I'm a completionist. Um, <laughs> so so when I see, yeah. So basically, um, when I see uh, people, like for instance, like I'm I'm a Disney person. Um, I'm a Disney adult. That's what they call people who love Disney as adults. Um, so like I've seen every single Disney movie. So when I see someone doing something, I think you, you have to do that thing. So if I went to the Comic-Con. I saw people in costumes. So I assumed everyone wore costumes. You don't, though. If You go to a Comic-Con, you do not have to wear a costume. You can just go and enjoy the panels and see the people collecting comic books. You can go and just enjoy other people in costume. But I wanted to dress up. But I saw these Funko Pops, <clears throat> and I wanted one because who Ooh. would not want... Cruella DeVille like why would you not watch that this one's nice kid? and um I dressed up as Cruella DeVille one day and so now I everything that I have ever cosplayed as so I have a co- a Funko co- Pop for every cosplay that I have done so when I say I'm a completionist um once I so like I want all of the my favorite um uh Disney movies um so yeah so like i've seen all of the star wars movies i've seen all of the disney movies so like completionist i have to do all of the things that's what that's what i mean by that so yeah i have um another wall in my apartment um has all of the marvel funko pops i have a dc wall i have a harry potter wall i i don't do that anymore cuz i don't i don't support jk rowling but when i did i did all of the the harry potter um, but yeah i i have over 250 Funko Pops. So my wow. apartment looks my apartment <laughs> looks like a toy store.
0: <laughs> wow, that is crazy. And I have not heard whatever I had with with Harry Potter. What happened? What did she do? Did she get in trouble? What did she do?
1: She did. Um so maybe I want to say like 5 years ago now, she made some comments about transgendered women not being women um and then dug her heels into it. So I just wow. can't really support, support that anymore. Yeah.
0: Wow. Why would she do that? I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it I, makes I, it a little difficult. Yes, yes. Yes. Well, thank you for you giving a backdrop. You know, I'll tell you why I instantly noticed um, your collection because I also love Funko Pops. Anybody oh can recognize God. who that is?
2: Yeah, the Noid from was a Domino's Pizza?
0: that is Noid from diamond O. so i got this as a gift and i tell you why so i was you know i always reference like old commercials in my head and in these old commercials like one of my favorite commercials because I, I wish they had a funko pop for this was i gotta make the donuts anybody knows which time commercial is that the
1: donuts. Mm-hmm. time to make well, donuts, dunkin
0: donuts yeah dunkin donuts right dunkin donuts and to me it is the perfect example of a job you hate i was young i was a kid and all i could see is this old guy who was not very excited about going to work because he had to make donuts. It was a major campaign. They sold a lot of donuts on it. They also sold a lot of pizza on this guy. True story. Down here in Atlanta, did y'all know that there was a guy by the name of Noid who actually took some people hostage in a Domino's store? I believe it. Yes, he did. He said that he felt that all of the commercials were making fun of him So he went and um, took the Domino's store hostage. And then he was like, "Um, "Okay, I'm going to hold these people hostage and look it up. You can Google it. He says, but to let them free, y'all got to go find me this book. And it was some old, crazy book, you know, and the police officer, they were having fun that day. They went to the library, gave him the book. He saw the book. He's like, you know what? I'm not letting everybody go. Give me, you know, whatever, whatever. So he ate a bunch of pizza and that actually forced Domino's to end their. Uh, avoid the Noah campaign because that guy and his mental health or whatever he was going through was not very good for their campaign. So I love Funko Pops. So it was kind of cool. But, you know, let's go back into your origin story. One thing that you share with me that I really appreciate is that you started unique, right? With your parents, right? Where, where are your parents from and where were you originally from?
1: Um, So, yeah, so my dad is Nigerian and my mother is Jamaican. So, yeah, like I grew up first generation American. I was actually born in Maryland, we moved to Massachusetts when I was about five years old. So, I moved from Mid Atlantic up to Massachusetts. Uh, grew up uh, in Western Mass, which is <laughs> Western Mass could totally be a different state because it's nothing like Boston. It it feels like um, it's its own little city. Um, you know, people in Western Mass actually are more uh, Yankees fans than Boston uh, Red Sox fans. It's it's so funny, um, and we don't have Boston accents even. Though we're in uh, Massachusetts, you know they sound more like New Yorkers. It's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Western Mass. Uh, ended up going to school in Boston, so that was a, that was a different uh, atmosphere. Um, but yeah, went to went to school in Boston. Ended up getting into tech. I uh, went to a business school. The only thing about business school I really enjoyed was marketing and IT. Ended up, you know, getting into I, IT and tech. Um, actually, spent about. Five years in Dallas in a rotational program, learning about IT, and then uh, you know, after a few years in Dallas, realized I'm definitely a New Englander. Um, but you know, ended up here in Atlanta, uh, working at Google, and and enjoying the South, even though I'm definitely still a Yankee.
0: Yeah, I, I think you, I think you like the South though. Cause, you know, people from up north, they they, they got a few things uh, to say, but they get down here and they be like, I am not going home. They claim it's the weather. But I think it's the Southern hospitality in our grits. I think that's what it is. Tell tell us what you love about being down South.
1: Uh, I mean, I'll definitely give you all the weather. I I will give you the weather, although you guys definitely don't know how to drive. Um, But I I will give you the weather. I will definitely give you the weather. The food. I'll give you the food. The food down here is, is good. I'll, do, I'll definitely give you the food and the weather. I'll give you that. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I get up north when I can. Um, I, but I, I love to travel anyway. I think it's the international blood in me. I like to travel and get around. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely give you the food and the weather. Um, th- I'll definitely give you that.
0: You know, I love the story about your parents because it kind of tells me and shows me kind of how you got started in your uniqueness. And one thing I love about your story is how you found your tribe. Right. And I love that statement. Right. And it, it probably means different things. But, you know, Joy, we gonna talk about D.I. later. And I, I hope that's not a bad word these days. But it's I love not. the nuance. Right. Say again, Joy.
1: It's
2: not.
0: It's not. No, okay. you,
1: no. No, it's I think okay. DEI is definitely important. At every company that I've ever had, every job I've ever had, the one thing I ask, and it, and it might be, it might throw them off, is I always ask them about DEI and how important it is and and whether it's just something they say and put on their website, something that they just, if it's a talking point or if it's something they actually believe. Because a lot of companies talk about how they have diversity programs or talk about how they care about diversity. And some of it's just words, right? Some of it's just something they, they say, but it's not something they mean. I need companies where it's something they actually action on and it's not some check the box thing because For me, I'm not going to feel comfortable at a company. I'm not going to enjoy coming to work every day unless it's something they actually implement because I need a tribe. I'm Mm. not going to enjoy working at a company like like I work at Google and I'm going to (laughs) say that they actually action on it. Right. Even with what's happened recently at my company, it's something they've actually worked at and do put action onto, and I appreciate that because I wouldn't enjoy, or especially here in Atlanta, I wanna say Google, Atlanta is probably one of the best offices I've ever worked at because I walk into an office that's filled with black people wow. and it makes coming to work a joy. I'm surrounded by smart, intelligent black people, especially black women. And it's wonderful, like it just, It's wonderful. So diversity for me, DEI especially, um, finding your tribe is important. Like when I moved to Texas, it was the first thing I had to do, especially coming from the North. And like, I I didn't know what I was, I had no family there. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone. You have to find your tribe. So when I've had to find theater people, I'm a theater person at heart, which is another reason why cosplay was, like when I found it, I was like, oh, this is exactly what I needed. I I can become anybody I, like that's what cosplay is like i can become a character and embody it by just putting on some face makeup putting on cat ears putting on a cape and i am instantly a new thing a new person tell and us- that's what cosplay is for me
0: tell us about one of your most you know infamous famous uh well-received cosplay uh, <laughs> characters i
1: think one of my favorite ones um, that I really enjoyed was there's this movie by Pixar um, called Inside Out. And there's a character called Sadness. Now, anyone who's met me will say to you that I'm always smiling, right? Or they, they've noticed my smile. Playing Sadness was so difficult <laughs> because she she's sadness, right? Like it was so hard because she's like pouting all the time, right? So little kids would come up to me. So I'm painted blue. And I had blue hair I'm painted blue and I'm supposed to look sad and little kids would come up to me and totally notice. They knew instantly who I was. Right. So I wanted to be like, hey, I can't because I'm in character. I can't smile at them. I have to embody sadness. Right. But I want They're like, hey, it's sadness. I want to go. I can't. I can't. I have to be like, hi. How are worry, you know. But like, it was so. But I loved playing the character because it was just so. Like, I loved the reaction of them knowing who I was and instantly getting that I was sadness. Like, it just, it just made me so happy that they knew exactly who I was. You know, so I like been, remembering. I've been following
0: <laughs> you for a while, and I do remember those pictures now that you mention it. And now that you mention it, I hadn't seen the movie when I first saw your, your, your character. But now that I've seen the movie, you did a very, very good uh, sadness. Now tell me about, um, was it one Superman or Superwoman? Supergirl.
1: Yes. Supergirl. I I get so many comments on my Supergirl. And it's so not like it's all literally I went to, that was my second cosplay ever. I got a Supergirl. I got a Superman tank top. I got a red cape and a red skirt. It was like closet closet cosplay, which is how I tell people to start cosplay. Mm -hmm. Go in your closet, find whatever that you can get. Think of whatever character you want. It's so super easy. Throw together something and go. And it was the easiest costume I've ever put together. I get the most comments on it all the time. I actually just posted it on my Instagram today. I'm doing 28 days of black cosplay. It started in 2015 on instagram and facebook and i get so many comments on i i mean it's just the simplest of costumes and superman is my absolute favorite superhero love him love him i think he is the embodiment of how we should be he is hope personified um and i love that costume and i get so many uh comments on it but yeah i i love that costume and you will always see a superman at a um convention. Every wherever anytime you go, you're always gonna see a superman. There's always gonna be always. a
0: Superman. Tell me about always. my new favorite word, embodied. You told me about, like, you know, I think, you know, you cosplay for you is a outlet, it's a expression. And you gave me that term you say, I totally had the opportunity to embody these characters. What does that mean? And what does that mean for you? And what could it mean for other people?
1: Um, I think if there is a feeling, an emotion, uh, expression that you want to get out that's that's what you can do with cosplay like if there is something that you want to express um that's that's really what it is about like if there is something that you want to show the world that's how that's how you can do it you can do it through cosplay um, there is a movement that I think really took off in 2000 um, with the fae um, the um I wanna call it the fae um, fairy, fairies um, that really happened where, where people wanted to, to really show the world that black people could also be fairies and really be um, ethereal, right? Like we can also be, you know, fairies and magical, whimsical. right? Cause whimsical, like we we don't, we don't really see ourselves in those things, right? You see Harry Potter, you see um, dragons and what's that move that show, House of Dragons and stuff. Like it was really nice to see black people there, right? We don't see that so often. We can embody that, right? We can also be magical. We, and I think that it's good to see us in those roles. We can have wings, we can do magic um and i think that in force. order right right we can be all of that and we don't always have to be the bad ones we can be good fairies right we can we can embody the so so for me that word means it can be powerful it can hmm. be um magical so i think for me embody means being present it means being um just just being And within the thing is what for me, that's what that word means.
0: I love it. I love it. And as as you're talking, I really appreciate how you describe the the fairies, the the outlet, the hey, these things that society put on us. Right. And, you know, sometimes people can wake up and not realize that they're living in the box that somebody created for them. Mm -hmm. But it's so beautiful to be like, you know what? One, I'm not going to live in that box. But I'm gonna have a constant reminder to myself that I'm not living in that box. And that's okay. one of the things I appreciate about you. I appreciate about the blue hair, the energy, right? Even though you was um giving me a hard time about my Zoom not working last night, I was in my feelings. She was like, <laughs> Something- Sir your Zoom ain't working. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> so, but, you know, because I'm a techie too, but, you know, I, 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 I'm upset at Zoom. I just want to go on the rec say, so I'm upset at Zoom. because they be changing stuff and then
2: whatever? Okay, okay. I know it's not my turn, but I need to jump in here before we get too far. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, share that. So the discussion around, you know, black people can be whimsical, we can be fairies, we can be, uh, you know, mythological creatures, et cetera, et cetera. Um, A lot of the way that we see it in the United States and even over in London or in the UK, but I'm going to say London because it's where all the black people are. Um, A lot of the way that we see it is based on the vestiges of white supremacy, because for the last three, four hundred years, they have controlled the narrative and the story around all the media we consume. So everything that we have seen in the United States has been white people through their, their lens all of these different characters and us being relegated to you know pimps and prostitutes you know strumpets whatever you want to call us um and not really being able to be the whimsical the fairy tale etc we're really seeing that come to a head with uh what is it chloe no Haley.
0: oh yes
2: mm-hmm. mermaid
0: little mermaid, yeah. little
2: mermaid. Yeah. and people are losing their mind because the is supposed to be white because that's what white society has told us for the last few four hundred years but African or oh, what is it um it's either Yoruba or Yoruba um, it is yep you're right yes they got their own mermaids I mean it's not like they ha- we've people, been there They've We have been there. it. we, we don't know about it. it because as we see like they're trying to do in Florida they're trying to erase black people from everything but we've been here we've been doing this and the fact that we own you have to I don't want to say do your own research because that is such an overly used um uh, throwaway line but just take a look at what's out there research like um african different mythologies from different sections of africa and understand that mm-hmm. we got our own stuff going I, that's what i loved about american gods and what they did. yes
1: do. oh my gosh it was so good i'm so sick of people seeing my hair and saying to me oh my god you look like a mermaid first of all <laughs> yeah, i get the mermaid comment all the time i've been coloring my hair since before the pandemic, like I, I I've been wearing colored hair forever, but they really be like, like, I'm not trying to look like a mermaid. Like I just, I just have colored hair. Like it's been colored. I just do it all the time. I'm not going for that look, but like, like I, it has nothing to do with me trying to look like a mermaid. It just, it just looks like that because you, you think however you're thinking. And it's hilarious to me that like, I'm it's not that it's just, it's just blue because I'm in a blue phase right now. It could be purple, it could be pink, it could be whatever it is. I'm my I've been natural for over ten years now, and I just colored my hair because it's fun and I like it because I can. like it's that. it's just that it's just that.
0: That's I love it. I love it. And you got um, joy. She's like, whoa, whoa, let me unmute, unmute, unmute. I need to talk about this. We, we can be fairies, too. I had never, ever heard this, this go down in history. Anybody so passionate about the opportunity to be fairies. But, you know, what I, I can appreciate about it. It is real. It is real because when people create narratives, you know what a narrative is? A narrative is a box. It's, it's a thing where people say, hey, you're supposed to live here. And you may not want to live there. It's too hot. You like water. You like beaches. Right. But I love that. And so thank you, um, Joy, for stepping in there. You know, before we transition um, to Joy Melanie, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, this whole place of being unique, being black, you know, I'm pretty sure we've heard all kinds of weird things. You ain't real black. You ain't black enough. You this, you this, you that. I can only imagine people have said some crazy things to you. And I think what you shared with us, you know, you look like a mermaid. But I'm curious if you have any words of wisdom, any advice to give the people out there who are, you know, they kind of get in that feeling. They feel like maybe they have an inner mermaid, an inner fairy, an inner cosplay, but they're afraid, right? Any words of wisdom or advice, you know, you can give the people out there struggling, you know, or embarrassed to embrace that inner unicorn. What would you say?
1: I mean, I, I always tell people to, you know, if it feels uh, right to you. Um, to go go for it, Um, you know, do what feels right to you. Don't let other people stop you from from doing what feels right to you. Um, And and, and once you find your tribe, I feel like you will feel more comfortable doing that Um, because the people who love you will always make you feel comfortable. And, um, And you shouldn't let other people who aren't paying your bills, who aren't um helping you do what what you need to be doing don't let them influence what you what what is going on in your life right because they're they what are they giving you what are they giving you if they're not giving anything to you then they shouldn't stop you from living the life that you need to live um for me i you know my (laughs) my mother will always be like why is your hair whatever color but she's never said don't do it like she's never said to me don't color your hair. She just asks me why my hair is blue. <laughs> and I tell her because I like how it looks, but she's never said it doesn't look good. She's never said it doesn't look right on you. She just asked me why I do it. So that told me that it was okay. Like that told me that it was fine. And you know, I know if my mother ever said to me, you know, that's not really, it doesn't look good. Then I would, I would know that it would, that I needed to change it, but she's never said that. So it felt like I was doing the right thing. So you gotta trust the people around you to let you know what, what's going on. But you, if you find your tribe and it feels good to you, do it. If it feels right, go with it. And that's how I've always moved forward. Let's,
0: let's talk about lastly, about how you found your tribe because I love the story because this is a techie story, right? Now, I think it was Google Plus, right? Yes. Does anybody remember <laughs> Google Plus? Tell us about how you found your tribe with the use of technology and Google Plus. Tell us about all that.
1: So I'm a first adapter, right? So I love tech. Um, when I Google everything, I've tried everything. Even though Google hurts my heart by taking everything away from, <laughs> from me, they start things and they take it away. So Google Plus started and I joined it and I started a community and I asked people, if they you know, were reading books um, for pleasure still. Um, and they were, so I started a book club and and the book club started and everyone in the book club was we were reading books and we still have the book club. So 10 years later, we're still reading books. Um, we meet up every Wednesday and we read a book a week. Um, and we're still doing that. We read sci fi and fantasy books. And that's how I started going to um, Comic Cons. And we've been going to New York Comic Con every year. So for 10 years, we've been doing that as well. Um, I look for people who like doing the things that I like to do. And, um, and we just keep doing those things. But I look for people who have similar interests that I have, and who don't yuck my yum. (laughs) And, and who, and it's not about, you know, agreeing with everything that I like, but who can have stimulating conversations and can interact with me in a positive way. We can debate about things and have intellectual conversations and and still be friends after, even if we disagree. But I think you you find your tribe by finding people who can have conversations with you that stimulate you, who challenge you, um, but can also make you laugh. And yes, don't yuck your yum, but also help you grow and change. Um, I think that that's just important, right? You have to find people who can think like you, but don't um, keep you siloed. I think that's really important. Um, I but yeah, love it. I that's love it.
0: Thank you, Melody. I'm going to drop in the chat where people can follow you. And I it was I also found your medium. Um um, let's <laughs> yes. say. And you you hadn't been writing anymore. Uh, and for a couple of years, I don't know how long it's been, but, you know, looking forward to seeing more uh, published material. And if you decide that you're going to do a biography or something, come on back to Southern Soul. You know, we got all kinds of I call them the ambitious ones. So, you know, we will we'll help you publish that book, that memoir to tell these stories. But thank
1: yeah. you. Thank it's, you for that. I definitely I definitely do want to get back into writing. So thank you for yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And feel free to hang out. We got uh, my, my brother um, who just joined us. He got a nice DJ set. Um, DJ Christopher Kenner is on and he's going to got a nice DJ set for us tonight. And so we're just going to, uh we're just going to, you know, just chill out a little bit and kind of have fun. But, you know, hold tight. And um also what we're going to do is um after um, Joy, what we're going to do is we'll do some group um, Q&A. How about that? Some group yeah. Q&A where if anybody in the audience, and this is a good opportunity to be thinking about it. People get to be shy. This is the first show of the season. So be typing your questions. Be thinking about your questions. But this is an opportunity to ask the ladies anything because you think about it. We got two Awesome, beautiful, physically spiritual women who essentially have embraced this uniqueness. And I already know the audience. So I know some of the stuff you guys are dealing with. So make sure you guys take advantage of the ladies we have here and just hold tight for the Q&A. Next up, we have Mrs. Miss Joy Stevens, NBA. I like to say the NBA. You got to say the whole thing, as they say. But Joy, how you doing, girl? Let's get you off mute.
2: Did you just? Oh, I wasn't muted. I'm doing well. How you doing tonight, Kelly?
0: Uh, I'm good. I no, I did not mute you. I don't know who muted you. But um, but how you doing? You having fun? I see you already got excited in the chat. You know, I see the video in the back end as um, Melody was speaking. You, amen. You doing fist pumps, everything, because you are so excited about some of the things that she was saying. Tell me why. It seems like well, she resonated.
2: She, it was, she harmonized. Okay, because. Everything she was saying is what I do for a living. I am a diversity, equity, inclusion consultant in this chapter of my life. Before that, I was a chemistry, chemical engineer, sales leader, sales manager, all kind of corporate stuff. But um, I've spent the last few years, actually the last decade, but the last four and a half years specifically doing diversity and inclusion. And I tell companies all the time, people wanna be respected, they wanna be heard. And as we get away from the boomers, and the Gen X, et cetera, moving into generations that their entire lived experience is drastically different from, or drastically different from uh, someone who was born, in, say, 1941, because they don't have the same sense of, you know, do what, do what you're told, you know, take, you need to be glad you have a job. They're like, look, I can make body butter in my kitchen and get my bills paid. I don't have to come work for you. And so you have people, companies are having to discover how to treat people like human beings when we've been treating them like machines with feel, with, with no feelings for the longest time. Ain't nobody doing that no more. And so I've spent a lot of time helping companies transition into um, using what they used to call soft skills. Even the fact that you call them soft skills Is a misnomer because it's a lot harder to be vulnerable and tell somebody, I'm sorry that happened to you. I made a mistake. I don't know the answer. Um, I'm having a hard day. It's a lot harder to say that than to just clam up and say, do what I told you, you know?
0: Yes, yes. You know, Joy, I am so excited to chat with you. And, you know, I remember when we did the discovery session, I was like, (laughs) I have no idea. How I'm gonna kick off the season but I, when I spoke with you I'm like you know what joy has to be there it was your energy what do people call it the the you know I, I found my, my 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 person you know whatever the thing is it was so many things about you that reminded me of me right and it's like when you talk I see myself in you and it was so cool but you know I want to start with your origin story and I don't want to tell people I want you to tell it tell us about how you got started and I just want to give you all a hint. She's from the South Side, Texas, in case y'all wanted, it, United Third States, award. Texas at the bottom, Third Ward. OK, so mm-hmm. tell us about where you came from. Tell us about what you grew up. Tell us about your high school, the college transition, your educational experience and how this was so important of the identity and the confidence in the person you are today.
2: Absolutely. So born and raised in Houston, Texas. And for those of you who don't know, if you're just now in the last three or four years getting familiar with Juneteenth. It started in Galveston. A lot of those people who found that they were free after the fact, moved into Houston and then on up through Oklahoma into Louisiana. And so the the celebration of Juneteenth followed that. But I'm from Houston. Matter of fact, one of the oldest free villages, neighborhoods, whatever you wanna call it, it's Third Ward, Houston, Texas and Fourth Ward. Um, But you'll find Texas Southern University there. University of Houston is there. Wheel Avenue Baptist Church is there. That was my church, which was like the first like church for bougie black people. They know who they are. Um, And that was my upbringing. But in in addition to that, my mother was an educator. My father worked in the hospital. Both of them were extremely academically intelligent. They're smart throughout and through. My mom had the the street sense in addition to the book sense. My dad was an inventor that never got credit for anything he invented, unfortunately. But um, so I. Develop you know high academic skills in elementary school. My mom put me in places where I was going to see black excellence from second grade on. I remember Miss Seira, my third grade teacher. I remember Miss Smith, my fourth grade teacher. Black women who were showing me. They taught me empathy. They taught me resilience. They taught me how to um, stand up for myself. You know, speak up. This is your teacher telling you that, and not you know telling you sit there and be quiet like some other teachers like to do. Um, I have black teachers in middle school, but in high school, if anybody's familiar with Houston, Texas, I went to the high school for health professions. It's now called the Bakey High School. And that high school don't whatever the, the whatever the history books tell you, that high school was started by Perry Weston. Perry Weston was a black man who had a lot of connections in the Houston Medical Center with all of the, the nurses, the phlebotomists, the um uh, the lab techs, et cetera, et cetera. And he got this idea of tr- using the school to train people of color to go into the medical professions. So I'm a 10th grader learning how to draw blood from my other 10th grade students, right? But I had a black chemistry teacher, black geometry teacher, um, the black, the teacher that taught us how to draw blood from each other was black. You know, Miss Bryan, Mr. Goffney, Mr. Johnson, all these, all this black ass. Mr. Johnson, the chemistry teacher, he took the MCAT just for the hell of it, just to see if he what, what how he would do, and he got a perfect score. He's the smartest black man I ever saw in my life. And he's the one that got me into chemistry, which led me into chemical engineering, which led me into corporate America, where I started to realize not everybody, well, let's not forget, I went to Spelman College and Georgia Tech. So I got the best of both worlds, got the black college experience, um, which reinforced what I had been hearing my whole life, which is you can do whatever you want. Don't let nobody tell you no. You know, and I do that when I coach people now and they're trying to get promoted at work and I'm giving them like executive coaching. Don't let nobody tell you no, especially you. You should not be the one standing in your own way, you know. And so all of this, led to who you see now. About five years ago, I left corporate America to start my own business, um, doing diversity and inclusion, especially going back to some of the people I used to work with. Um, and <laughs> you can hear the passion that i talk about this with. So they're like, can you bring that passion in a workshop, in an educational session, in coaching and training? And I've been doing that exclusively in the last uh, four and a half years. And I was able to leave all my corporate ties behind. I worked for myself, set my own hours. Life is good.
0: Awesome. 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 I love your story. You know, I was at an MLK event recently and the speaker used this term. It's a term that I hadn't heard used in this context before. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, if you go through history and you see what the people have experienced, there are a lot of people who have been broken Mm -hmm. because through the process of systematic oppression, it is the breaking of black people. And I I pause for a second, you know, because sometimes when people hear the word racism, they're like, no, we can't talk about that. Don't talk about Bruno. Don't talk about Bruno. But everybody know Bruno exists. He a part of our family. He's been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. But when I begin to think about the breaking of the people that's still happening today, mm-hmm. breaking, breaking and what that breaking looks like, it manifests a disparity here. It's like you get a disparity. You get a disparity. Everybody gets a disparity. But one of the things that you said that I really, really, you know, can think about is when you went to Georgia Tech Mm -hmm. and you got to Georgia Tech. And now I can see this young lady who probably has the 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 persona of a Ruby Bridges. Right. She just show up doing her thing. She's just like, hey, you know, they told me I'm supposed to be here. So I'm here. Yeah. And these people at Georgia Tech see you. Tell us about what happened when you showed up at Georgia Tech after Spelman, after, you know, your prestigious high school, after your highly educated parents, after having multiple black teachers, which is a big deal for identity and strength, because we covered that in the previous show last year. What did the people at Georgia Tech? What did you see when you got there?
2: I saw a lot of other black people who didn't know how well. Some didn't know how to express themselves. Um, as Melanie mentioned earlier, you know, looking for your tribe, that was, you know, the student center on this set of couches playing big whist and spades every day. Cause I wasn't like the first black kid to go to Georgia Tech, but I very often was maybe one of three in a class and we all hung together. And uh, sometimes I would be used. And I mean, I got no problem being used like this because I was a, a beige, because we're trying to get away from fair skin, light skin, that kind of thing. So I was, more, that's out. I was okay. a little bit more comfortable to the white students mm-hmm. and they would share some of their intel on the teachers with me and then I would bring it back to the folks. Like, all right, so here's what's going to be on the test. You know, so uh, might as well use whatever little skin privilege I got for good. But um, one of the things that I did notice when, you, you know, you talked about narratives and boxes, et cetera, before, when I got to Georgia Tech, there were a lot of people living in the box that their freshman year experience had given them, you know, look to your right, look to your left. Two of y'all not going to be here in a few years. And they instilled that sense of scarcity and fear into the freshman class so that they grew with that. I didn't have that. So I come over mm. like we can all win. And they're like, no, there can only be one. No, there can be 10 and there will be 10. And wow. I found myself tutoring. I, I was even Miss Black Student Union at Georgia Tech. Me and me and. um. Andre Dickens, who is the current mayor of of, uh, Atlanta, were Mr. and Mrs. Black Student Union together. And um, I I will throw that out for the rest of my life. (laughs) because I know the mayor. But um, one of the things you mentioned, like going to Georgia Tech, coming from an all-Black environment, I felt like I had a sense of identity that could not be reimagined just because somebody else was telling me something different. I'm I'm 20 years in at this point, you're not going to tell me that I belong in this box that you created because the, the entirety of my life has said there is no box, you know, so I'm hitting them with the matrix. There is no spoon. I don't know what you're talking about. Now I'm, I can do this because I choose to. Um, and I I have heard since I graduated, which was so many years ago, different people tell me that I was inspiring to them or that they really looked up to me. I was like, we're the same age. How you looking up to me? But I I take that now and I appreciate that I was able to be that for people, you know.
0: I love that story and I love the word scarcity. For the people out there who don't know that, that's an old business term. But I tell you what it means. I go old school. That means crabs in a barrel. And what they did is they invoked the carrot crabs in a barrel by saying, "Look to your left, look to your right. You know, one of y'all won't be here." Mm-hmm. And what happens is you get this hyper competition where instead of supporting each other and sharing notes. And sharing whatever, because that's what the other people do. You now have these people who are supposed to be helping each other, competing with each other. So one reason why one of the person ain't going to be there is because people didn't do what they supposed to. We see this in small business. Mm-hmm. We see this in a lot of places. We see this, as the lady said, if you want to know who your friends are, real friends run for public office. Scarcity. Scarcity means there's not enough food to feed everybody. But I like there's when people not. say, no, we can all eat.
2: We can all eat.
0: And there's a different type of person who understands we can all eat because these people are creators. They're farmers. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I love what Joy is saying. She's like, Hey, I'm going to create this thing. I'm going to tutor. I'm going to mentor the joy. The mayor was not the only prestigious person you had the chance to go to school with. Tell us about the prestigious person at Spelman that you had the chance to go to school
2: with. So my freshman year, uh, which would have been the freshman class coming in in the fall of 1991, um, I knew then that I was going to want to pledge Doug Symmet at some point. So I'm trying to get my little resume together, trying to, I'm freshman class president. That sounds good. I'm gonna do that. And so I went to the meeting that they had for everyone that was interested in running for freshman class president. And that's where I met Stacey Abrams. And after talking to her for 10 minutes, I was like, Yeah, you go ahead, you, you, you do that. Cause I don't have the plan that you have for Spelman's freshman class. I just wanted to put this on my resume and I would be doing me and this school the disservice if I even try to run against you. So I backed out after talking to Stacy, and she is currently the same person she was fall of 1991. She has been dedicated to justice and fairness and equal voting since I've known her. And um, I'm really proud of everything that she's accomplished Um, just because she didn't win her race doesn't mean she isn't winning. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. And I love that story because, I mean, it just shows, you know, one of the things I thought as I was preparing for the show, is I get deep into the notes and I start imagining things, I'm a sci-fi person. So um, this is what I start imagining. And this is for you also, Joy. I said, you know, what if there was a great sci-fi novel that showed the awesomeness of what we do if people weren't messing with us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If if we if was just allowed to be, I, I'm not asking for no discount. I'm not asking for no favor, but just, you know, just just leave, leave them along. Just let them do their thing. Just let the flowers grow. And what I begin to see is that instead of one Stacey Adams, instead of one Andre Dickens, you have like hundreds of them. And what begins to happen? Mm-hmm. So, if I get the time, I'm definitely want to write that sci-fi novel because I think it's beautiful. And not only is it beautiful, but it goes back to what you, uh, um, Melanie was saying about, hey, we can be fairies. Mm-hmm. We can have 20 Stacey Abrams. Abrams, We can have 20 Andre Dickens, right? We can do whatever we want.
2: We have 20 Barack Obamas. You know, and yeah. um, the thing that you're talking about, I mean, it's, for me, is reminiscent of uh, Black Panther and Wakanda. Um, you know, living in Atlanta, we love to say this is Wakanda, you know. We'll I mean, they build it here, so we claim it is ours. We, we, we Wakanda now. But um, if you think about the second movie, and I'm assuming everyone has seen it by now, mm-hmm. when no they are when they are ch- uh, tracking down uh, Riri Williams at college, and Shuri says something over the radio like, "This is something similar to a Wakandan grammar school." And she's at an Ivy League college and she's basically saying this Ivy League College, this is what we do wow. before the age of 15, you know, and it's regular where, where Shuri is from. And so to your point about if we're just left to our own devices, I see it time and time again. Um, even though we have been living under the oppressive legacy of the British Empire, um, you'll see in different countries, you know, someone created a hydroponics uh, garden inside a shipping container. And someone else has the, even the person that developed. Uh, oh, there was a gas recently that one of the one of the car companies is trying to use. And turns out it had been developed by a black man who they tried mm-hmm. to like hide the patent. I need more on that story. But we can do anything, and we routinely do anything and everything, even when they're messing with us, even when they're telling us we can't. We continue to do, uh, which is one of the reasons. That they continue to mess with us. With us. Oh yeah,
0: they can't
2: hold it back. Yeah, you know. I want to touch on one other thing that you mentioned yeah, around the crabs in a barrel mentality.
0: Because mm-hmm.
2: here's what's really happening when you have crabs in a barrel: they're not necessarily trying to pull each other down; they're trying to hold on too tightly to the one that looks like he's going to make it out, and the weight of trying to take everybody with him as he makes it out ends up pulling him back down. It's more of an MC Hammer story than anything else, you know, trying to carry too many people on your back and you all end up back down where um, instead of trying to hold on to something and let it propel you up without you doing any of the work, instead, hold, push them up, push them up. And then when they get to the top and get a foothold in there, they can turn back and pick you up, which is, you know, that whole, he's not heavy, he's my brother thing. But um, we've got to get out of a mentality that we as black people have that mentality because we don't. It is very much a part of the narrative that is pressed upon us to make us think that we think that, but if you leave, like you said, if you leave us alone, we don't. There's a whole lot of things that happen in the United States that we believe is quote unquote, human nature, and it's not, it's American nature. They don't do this in other places. You know, and we, we need to keep that in mind, travel more. The more you travel, the more other countries and civilizations and uh, communities, religions, et cetera, the more that you see, the more you realize, we've been fed a bunch of propaganda.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, that, that perspective. And I, I love a good illustration. And if you just let them be, let the flowers grow. You know, I remember when I was in a kid, you know, they give you that little project where you're growing a bean, right? And there was always that kid who couldn't let the bean grow. You know, it was, it was just too anxious. They were too excited. Right. But, you know, it took me a while cause I started thinking about that and I, I uh, ended up where you are, and what you said is like, we can do it. We have been do it even with people messing, you know, we still begin to excel. You know, it's that 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 rolls in the 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 the, the sidewalk, the sidewalk. Thing.
2: yeah.
0: And and it, it's a beautiful thing, but you know, I, I, just, I just love that um, story. So I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about the black unicorns because I wanted to talk about the unicorn nature yeah. and the uniqueness. And, and And Melanie did a really good job of describing her uniqueness. So I, I'm curious about this this term. I don't even know if I'm in love with it or if whatever. But I do know I embrace the uniqueness of black people. Mm-hmm. I know I embrace the, the the diversity of blackness. You know, I know I reject certain things like, oh, you ain't black enough if, you ain't black enough if. But what I begin to see based on traveling, I tell people, if you go two hours down the street and on this East Coast, that's two or three states, you'll discover that whatever's a big deal here is not a big deal two hours down the street. It's like you said, travel. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen, and it's one of the reasons the passion behind Southern Soul is the, the, the great awesomeness of Black people in how many things we are and how different we are. And I call that... You know, awesome. Tell me your thoughts on this concept of a unicorn or uniqueness, you know, meaning is there a hidden world of educated, professional, self-assured, confident people? Or is this normal for some people? What are your thoughts about the unicorn, the black unicorn?
2: The answer to both those questions is yes. I mean, my my reality, my three best friends, pediatric anesthesiologist, neonatologist, pediatric and adult psychiatrist, all black women all under the age of 50, all with mo- enough degrees to fill a thermometer. And I hang with them all the time. Like, what's up, what y'all doing on Friday? You know, um, that's my reality, but that also is born out of my circumstance. Going Met the first one at Spelman College, who introduced me to the one that she went to Emory with, who introduced me to the one who was practicing in Orlando when I lived there, and that became my group. So we are all unique in our spaces. The neonatologists, world-class has done speeches and talks and stuff all over the world. I'm talking all over the world. The uh, pediatric psychiatrist, and the adult psychiatrist, double board certified Harvard trained, right? Everybody can't say that, yes? Um, The pediatric anesthesiologist leads everything in Winnie Palmer Hospital down in Orlando, Florida. And so each of these women is absolutely unique, not only in their education, but in their look on life, the things that they do, the way that they look, the things that they say, the food they eat, all of them different and unique. But and so am I in what I do as I hang with them. But just because we're all unicorns doesn't mean we can't make a herd. Just because you're a uniform doesn't mean that you are isolated or alone. It means you are different, special. There's something unique about you. We can have a herd of unicorns all with different kinds of horns. One horn made out of diamonds, another horn made out of flint. It doesn't matter. As long as you recognize what's special about you and join the group and bring your specialness to it.
0: you know. I love it. I love it. You know, my favorite part of your Texas, I'm going to claim it for Texas, is you bougie, but you ratchet at the same time. Yes. Like, yes, how, did, how does that happen? Right. Like, and can you explain that to us? Because, you know, I heard a little country grammar. I didn't heard you drop a few words to sound like it was Spanish, but French. I don't know what. Tell us about you in your language. Right. Because at the same time, you may speak formally, informally. It, I don't see you living in this, you know, respectability politics. I see you doing your own thing. Tell us about your language. I mean, do you curse? Do you swear? Do you rap? I mean, tell us about you.
2: All the time. Um, mouth of a sailor. And um, I read something and I agree with this article because I want to. I don't know if it's scientifically sound or not. She said she
0: won't to. Did y'all hear I that? Yeah, this sounds a good
2: American. I believe this is true because I want it to be that uh, intelligent people use more curse words. I hope that
0: mm-hmm. I do believe that. One.
2: that one. I hope yes. that's the doggone truth. But um, my language is as authentic as my sense of self, my sense of personality, my style, et cetera, et cetera. Um, matter of fact, if you could see everything behind me, there's a chess set, there's an elephant, always got to represent my sorority. There's some shy glasses, there's a Funko Pop, there's a book, Me and White Supremacy. On the other side is the 1619 Project, there's the entire off offscreen, uh, the entire collection of Aaron Magruder, Boondocks. Oh. All of this is me. You know that Funko Pop.
0: Who's that? Is that Migo behind you? Which one is that? Is that Offset? Who's that behind you?
2: What, the Funko Pop. Yeah, this is actually uh, late twins, which were the two twins in the last uh, Men in Black movie, the two Um, the French twins that were the villains for a little while. Yeah,
0: yeah, I remember those guys. They were driving, uh, I think the the truck or whatever. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, I used to have a big uh, like celebrity crush on them, so I had to get that Funko Pop. I have others, but they're like way over there. Awesome. um, To your point, I mean, this idea that you have to be bourgeois or ratchet or I don't like the word ghetto because that's a place and not a person. But, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to say, you can be all of those things. Nobody told you that you couldn't. We keep trying to we like to think in a binary fashion, either this or this. And everything is a spectrum. Uh, Sexuality is a spectrum. Religion is a spectrum. Skin color is a spectrum. You can be. Anywhere on that group, right? And just like your life is like that plinko game from uh, what is it? Price is right? You drop it and it just plinks down wherever uh, it's supposed to yes. go. That's the collection of your lived experiences that makes up who you are. And it can end up anywhere at the bottom, but wherever it is is where you're supposed to be. You know. And so I can be, I can say, you know, that dog won't hunt, which I got from my dad, which means whatever you're about to do isn't going to work. Um, my mother was an English teacher and she had a master's degree, and she got a master's degree in the '80s. Mm-hmm. Right. As a um, as a black woman from
0: 1% already,
2: yeah, She's 1% already. 1% already. Exactly. Um, both my parents are college graduates. So like I'm saying, you know, I've got, got that going for me, too. I do recognize some of the privileges I've had in my life. Um, but all of that shapes me into a little bit of hustler, a little bit professional. I can speak with perfect enunciation, the Queen's or King's English, depending on the year. Um, I'm very well read. I Remember most of the things that I've read, seen, or heard, uh, which makes me able to hold a conversation anywhere and everywhere. Um, I also like trap music. And we, that's why I knew juvenile before anybody else. All mm-hmm. I saw was cash money. I know the answer to this.
0: You say cash money. I, I, got I, whole I was think a little way though.
2: <laughs> I got the C D, bro. That's that's how old I am.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> you, you don't have a cassette tape though?
2: I got a cassette tape of uh, men Condition, and pretty brown eyes. Oh, ok. I see so show, not, show, easy.
0: show and prove, as you not see anytime. Well, yeah. we're going to go to the q and a before we go to q and a. I want you to kind of tell us about your consulting company. Tell us about your ideal type of customer and client, because you work with a lot of people, right? You know, and one thing I like that you shared is that, you know, sometimes your ideal customer can be not people who look like us. Tell us about what you do in the DI space. And, you know, because I think, like you said, some of your customers are people who just say, hey, we need you to help us at our company. We need somebody who can break it down and keep it real like you. And give us an example of how you break it down for the people who are listening. But Tell us about your consulting work, what you do, your ideal customers and how we can support you there.
2: Okay, so my company is New Heights Academic and Leadership Consulting. Um, The best place to find me is the LinkedIn link that you put into the chat. But I'm Joy Stevens New Heights on LinkedIn, if you're looking for me. And uh, my company focuses almost exclusively on bringing an understanding of. Bias and empathy and. understanding humanity, uh, inclusive leadership behaviors, everything associated with that to different companies. And it's it's about diversity, but it's also more more so about inclusion. Just don't leave me out. Let me have my say. Let me have my voice. Let me have my life. And we can get along. And so my ideal client, this is going to sound simple, but it's not. My ideal client is the one that has the money to afford me. And the reason I say that is because I'm not cheap. But if you're serious about doing diversity, equity, inclusion, you could go get some online classes for like $150 a pop or whatever and consider it done and learn absolutely nothing. Or you can have a true experience listening to me for anywhere from 60 minutes to half a day. I'm going to charge you whatever I charge you. And whatever I charge you isn't as much as your sales team spent on that corporate lunch two weeks ago. So don't tell me. That you can't afford to do this correctly, because I know what your budgets are. And if you if you are a small company, I change my rates according to what your total revenue is. If you're a large company, you got to get this work because I know that if you're serious, you should spend at least one one hundredth of your marketing budget on DEI. One one hundredth. That's what I'm usually charging, and the benefits of that, everything that people who feel listened to and feel heard and feel seen what they will bring to your company is immeasurable. Like the return on investment is it's not immediate, but it is permanent. All these companies are like, we can't find anybody to hire. Our turnover is so high. That's because you suck. You suck as a manager. <laughs> and those are also the other kind of clients that I go for. If you are someone's experiencing a lot of turnover on their team, everybody seems to be quitting and they don't want to say why uh, the culture is toxic. Um, I can coach people out of that. It takes a lot of soul searching. If I feel like I can't handle it, I will refer them to a therapist. But um, there's a lot of deprogramming that needs to happen in the United States. And a lot of the people that need to be deprogrammed are in positions of power, not just in the government, but in our local companies. And so I work with a lot of them to help them realize giving you know, giving opportunities to other people, giving other people a chance to prove themselves. Um, it's not about giving out handouts, it's about being fair. And when you recognize that you can be fair and it doesn't hurt you personally, I'm not taking your job, I'm helping you make more money. You know, then it doesn't feel any more like, oh, well, if I give you some, I don't have any of that mentality of scarcity. I get people out of that thinking and I treat it more like, you know, diversity and inclusion is not like splitting up a pie. It's like lighting a fire. You know, if I light my fire and I give my candle to you, I still got fire and you can light your candle off of mine. And next thing you know, everything is lit up and nobody's losing. The idea that I have to lose for you to win is a fallacy that is perpetuated by a capitalist society. We don't have to be this way.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. And you guys heard it here first. You know, I used to read a book. It was popular some years ago. They call it The Business Case for Diversity. I think it's an old book now, but mm-hmm. I think the principle is still there is when people are not experiencing equitable experiences at work, then their productivity go down. They quit. Yep. as joy as Joe is saying, there's turnover. But when people feel seen and heard, you get less of what they call it the I think this new word out there, they call it quiet quitting. Yeah, people be quitting on you. They're like, well, I'm just going to quit over the next six months, 12 months, but I'm quitting. But how much work is that person doing when they quiet quitting because they don't feel seen or heard? Go ahead, Joy. I'm sorry.
2: I mean, that's that's it's something that um, I've been telling people for a decade. If, If someone is disgruntled at work, you hope they actually quit and leave because most people will quit and stay which is what they're calling mm-hmm. quiet quitting now. They're not they're not planning to look for another job. They just gonna mediocre themselves on out of here. I'm gonna just show up. If you ever hear somebody say, I'm gonna just show up and get this check, they do not like where they work. They are disengaged, um, uninvolved, apathetic even, and they're not giving you their best work, but they're holding a spot. They're holding a spot for someone else that could be doing more for the company. Um, and so you're basically paying for them to check Facebook all day while they're at work. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that doesn't happen when people like, like what they do. There's two different emotions that people use to guard, guide everything that they do. It's either love or fear. Those are the opposites, not love and hate. Hate is a byproduct of fear. Love and fear are the two. So if people fear what's happening to them, what's going to go on, where their future is, et cetera, they're gonna operate it from a mindset of fear, which means as soon as they feel that they can get free, they out. If they yeah. operate from love, which in the business world is just respect, right? If you can show people that you respect them and you actually care about what happens to them, they will come in on a Saturday for no money. I've seen it happen just because they love their boss so much. Hmm. That's where you want to get to. I mean, that's an extreme example, but if you leading out of love means you got to respect me as a human being, if you can't see me as a human being, you've already lost.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, we're gonna do a little Q and A before we transition to DJ K Boogie, and he got a freestyle set for us that's going to gonna get us, you know, through the night. Um, the question has come from Margaret, and it's a question for both ladies. The question is: If you could change one decision you've made in your life, knowing it would change everything else in your life, what would that decision? What decision? would you have changed? I'm gonna read that again, to make sure I got it right. If you could change one decision you've made in life, knowing it would change everything else in your life, what decision would you have changed?
1: <laughs> um, mine is pretty uh, simple. Um, I didn't get my license until I was 23. Um, and I, uh, I would have gotten my license much earlier. <laughs> I would have gotten it um, right when you can, get your license, there's a 16. Um, I went to school in Boston. I went to a PWI, um, predominantly white institution. I went to Babson in uh, Boston, um, and it's a little bubble. (laughs) And it would have made life a lot different if I had had a car and could have traveled and gone home on the weekends. Uh, Being in a bubble, in a bubble, um, uh, it was very important. Uh, I'm hearkening back to what Joey was talking about. Um, Yes, being on a campus like Babson, being one of, uh, one. (laughs) There was not a lot of black people at that So being, having a car and being able to get off campus and go and find other people, it would have been, I, I couldn't leave campus, so it was who I could find. So having a car and being able to have left campus would have changed a lot of things. Or being able to have gone home and to be with my family would have, it would have just been a different experience when I was in college. So that would have, I know, would have changed a lot of things and probably would have changed where I would have gone after school, too, Um, because I didn't have a car when I got a job either. So uh, I was limited then as well. Um, I only got a car when I absolutely had no other choice when my job decided that I had to go to a place where it was absolutely necessary for me to get to work. Um, So, yeah, so that would have changed a lot of things.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Anything you want to add to that, Joy? Um, that question was hard for me because for me, I always think about, you know, decisions as learning moments. But maybe you see it differently, Joy. Any decisions you would have changed and the the effect of that decision?
2: So I love my life. And so I've gone through while Melanie has been talking, I'm thinking what, what in my life would I sacrifice to go back and change something? And there's not a whole lot like that. I had to think, what would I, what would be willing to give up the world that I have now just to do something? And I think the only thing I can think of would be I would beat this girl's ass in the seventh grade. <laughs> I beat her into the ground. She bullied me. She and she encouraged everybody else on the bus to bully. I'm talking spit on me, bully me, right? Wow. I would Ooh. beat the ever loving shit out of that girl. Tamaria White was her Uh-oh. name. Oh,
1: not name.
2: If, no, if you're not, you're not listening. Not <laughs> 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 I need the brakes off that chick if I could.
1: Do you know, I, I have listen. never been in a fight in my life. Ever. Mm,
2: mm, mm.
1: Ever.
0: I mean, I, I think you should try it just for fun. I mean, do you want to try it? No? I
1: don't know. So here's the thing, right? And this is, I don't even know. I've never been in a fight because I feel like, and I do not I don't know because I've never been. I feel like if I ever got angry enough to want to hit someone, I don't know if I would stop.
0: Oh, so that's why you don't fight. You're like,
1: I don't know, you know, you're always angry, I don't know. Because I feel like if you made me want to hit you in that way, like in the way that like, I want to put my hands to your person in a way to like physically hurt, Like you know, I'd like push somebody in whatever. But like, if I wanted to like, no, we fighting like, no, like, okay, we doing this.
0: Awesome! Awesome! Thanks for sharing that. Any questions? I'm a, my, my my system is kind of freezing a little bit, so um maybe you can help me. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Shanika, um, do you see the questions? Any other additional questions? Because my system's a little frozen right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I would love to get some questions about cosplay because you know we 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 can talk about that all night. What question you got?
2: No, but I do want to say to uh, Angela in the chat, yes, that's why I'd never, she's like, you know, living, basically, uh, I'm beating this girl's butt every day with my success. Yes, but I say yes. the best revenge is to live well. I was very fortunate in that um, I found out when I was in high school that she was still in the eighth grade, so. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't need it. That karma came quick. So I'm Mm. cool with it. But if I, if there was one thing in my life that I would be like, I would give up something in my current life to go back and do it, I would still beat that girl. But probably not. (laughs) I really do love my life. And I don't know. You never know what butterfly effect thing. This one thing means that I'm no longer living in a condo in Midtown in Atlanta, working for myself, setting my own hours. I'll just beat that
1: girl up. Probably not. Listen, I probably didn't get a license because I probably wasn't a good driver as a teenager. So maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe God funny. was like, no. <laughs> Everything happens the way it should.
0: Everything mm-hmm, happens mm-hmm, for a mm-hmm, reason. Mm-hmm. Well, what other question we got? Um, is my system is froze before we turn over to Kate boogie? Um, maybe you can see Joy. You see any other questions in the chat?
2: Um, I don't see any other questions, but I have a question. Go ahead. Um, and this is for Melanie around, because I, I did my first cosplay at Dragon Con this year. Real simple. I got my little road costume off of, uh, off the internet and just painted this white right here just to finish out the gray. But, uh, what has been your favorite cosplay that you've done together?
1: Mm, everyone always. <laughs> okay. So my favorite so far, I've, cause only because I've done it, so I have two. Maleficent is probably... <laughs> my oh no oh he just put it he's just okay maleficent is probably my favorite i've done her twice now and each time i i've expanded so the very first time i did her i had bought bought this like mage outfit Mm -hmm. and i had these like little drinky dink wings (laughs) and then the next so it was like a playoff of the cartoon version and then the next time I did it, the maleficent movie came out with Angelina Jolie, so I got bigger wings. Mm-hmm. Um and I had upgraded the um, the outfit. So the next time I do her, I want to get wings that move, like that expand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and I I want to get really um I want to expand the uh, the her, her her antlers, her, you know, her horns. Um But I also really, no, this is so straight. I also really love doing Harley Quinn. Mm. And the reason I love doing Harley Quinn is because she, her, her, I love, I love the acting part of cosplay. Like I love becoming the character. Like I like embodying, (laughs) Calvin's word, I love embodying the character. Um, but, and the same thing with, with Maleficent, right? Hello, beastie. Like I like yeah. just, just becoming because Maleficent, if you, if you go off of the cartoon or the live action, like she got mad cause she didn't get invited to a. Child's christening, like, yeah. what? Why are you angry? Like, I thought i
0: thought it was a dude who broke her heart. What, what?
1: That's from sorry, I'm going off of the cartoon. If you oh. go off of the cartoon, she just didn't get invited to the birthday party, like, that's um. right, right. She was just, like, why didn't she like that? Yes, yes, they expanded the story for the live action, yes but she like you did not like that's why you're mad because you didn't get invited to the party like ma'am like it's a lot um but no I love Maleficent's one of my favorite villains um so one year at the cause um for cosplay I did I I do a different costume for each day and we go Mm -hmm. four days so I did Disney villains for all four days so I did Cruella Maleficent and who is the fourth one um oh Cruella Maleficent and the evil queen so i did all of them the the three days and then we did a group cosplay we did scooby doo but i maleficent is absolutely my favorite because she's just she's just dramatic and i just it's just a lot and it's yeah the the wings and the and the um her horns just all of that and then um i just love i love wigs like i love doing all of that so harley quinn's also my favorite because she's also another dramatic one and you can just be weird and it's just i love character like just character
0: awesome awesome Mm -hmm. you know if you would um ladies if you guys have any i know there's some different groups out there because now there's black cosplay there's different organization if you don't mind sharing some things in the chat of where you know the people who are curious who want to follow check out cool outfits costume or just kind of state it out loud of any organization that you know are you know helping people you know Come together as Black cosplay creatives, then do share that. Up next, we have. First, I want to say thank you to the ladies for being here. Thank you for sharing with us your story. And I'll tell you why. During this time, we live during interesting times. And what I've seen is that these awesome stories that are so beautiful, not everybody gets a chance to experience them, not everybody gets a chance. But what you all have been able to do tonight is to give us access to your life, your story, your testimony, in a way that it can encourage us to not live in the box of someone else's narrative. I've loved the joy and the excitement of Melody. As you guys watch closely, she was talking, you know, and she's kind of an introvert like me, but then when she started talking about that cosplay, she just began to glow. And it's so beautiful. But if you watch really closely, with Joy. You know, Joe is in the back and all of a sudden as Melanie was talking and all of a sudden she just, Melanie has a passion for DEI also. She's like, I'm not working for a company. If y'all are not serious, if y'all whitewashing and greenwashing and doing all that fancy stuff, it's not for me. And Joy could not contain herself for the excitement of seeing another person who gets it. Who understand, hey, people can play games. They can do like a McDonald's did in the 80s. They just put MLK everywhere. And that's why MLK said in the boondocks, I really should be getting paid for this. And I know Joy know that episode. Mm -hmm. In short, they were exploiting MLK and not necessarily doing service to his name or his legacy. And that's what some of the companies do. So I appreciate you guys tonight. Next up, I got my brother K Boogie. K Boogie, what's up brother? It is 2023, how you doing? Oh, oh, that microphone is on the different, uh, on the input you off mute, though, so that's good. Yeah, Well, I can keep talking while you figure it out. So, um, But just say hello when you got So you're unmuted. I think it's just the, probably the wrong microphone. So well,
2: let me get a blank moment. I'm going to tell Melanie, if you come down to Dragon Con this year, hopefully, if I can get my act together, I'm trying to be Ursula this year. For <gasps> oh, oh, I, chick, I,
1: chick, I, have chick, done, chick. I have done Ursula. Yeah, I we hear you now. Ursula. Who's Okay, doing? okay.
0: Who is Ursula? Go ahead, Joy. Who's Ursula?
1: Ursula from, from Ursula. Little Mermaid.
0: Little Mermaid.
2: Who's
0: Ursula? Is that her aunt or her cousin? No.
2: <laughs> Ursula is the squid, um, the giant giant Oh, villain.
0: yes.
2: Yes.
0: Oh, that's going to be fun. The
2: best song, Four yeah. Unfortunate
0: Souls. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome. So, what's up, K-Boogie? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Doing, 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 doing good. You know, one of the cool things, you know, is I love when uh, my DJ um, buddies, they they, they pop in every now and then from all over the place. And what I appreciate is that they always got a certain type of flair. They got something for us. And it's always a surprise to me because I don't know what they're going to
2: do. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for discussion with the audience.